quick note before we begin. While the National Restaurant Association is committed to allowing restaurants to serve people as safely and quickly as possible, no advice can guarantee prevention of COVID-19 or other respiratory illnesses. Thanks for listening. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Order Up, a National Restaurant Association podcast for the food service community. Each week, we bring you conversations and context from the challenges facing the restaurant industry today. I'm Helen Jane Hearn, Senior Director of Content at the Association. Together with my colleagues, we'll bring you stories behind the latest restaurant industry research and policy efforts. COVID-19 has affected no other industry quite like restaurants. And as individual states consider opening up, we're looking to help them do it as safely as possible. So for today's episode, we're talking with the association's head of food safety, Larry Lynch. In early May, we spoke about the state of restaurant reopenings across the country. Yes. Hi, I'm Larry Lynch, and I'm the Senior Vice President of Science and Industry here at the National Restaurant Association. All right, Larry, what's happening right now? in terms of restaurant reopenings in the United States? It is a fascinating time in the industry right now because we have multiple states with multiple ideas on how restaurants are supposed to be opening that are starting to do this now. You know, I think we have consistency in the guidance that we sent out to everybody that social distancing, personal hygiene are critical. We're seeing this across the board. I think we're seeing some different measures in terms of how many people are going to be permitted to eat. I can use Florida here where I am as an example, where we're seeing they permitted it to be 25% of what you would see as normal occupancy. And so other states are giving the exact number of people that can be in. So it's an interesting variety. It's very tough uh, for operators in the the industry to figure out exactly where they need to be. I think there's two points of struggle right now. I think for some of the restaurants, it's deciding if the number that's permitted is enough for them to still be viable. Um, in those cases, do I stick with takeout and delivery or do I just stay over here and just sit on the sidelines and wait? For others, they just kind of want to wait and see how the public is going to respond. And it's been interesting as we talk about, again, I use the local media here, but I've been watching what's happening. And with Mother's Day weekend coming up here in the U.S., the restaurant tours were looking at some of their reservations, and granted, we're talking about 25% occupancy, but in essence saying this coming weekend, they're sold out. So there seems to be some pent-up demand that we're, we're seeing. I think it's hard to measure that in totality when we're looking at much smaller numbers. But the upside to all of this is the restaurant tours are recognizing that safety plays a, a big role in terms of what they're going to do. Another question I was asked recently was, how do you think people are going to respond to going into restaurants and seeing people wearing face coverings or face masks? As I've shared, if you asked me that in January, I'd say it's a great question. I'd be walking in scared to death because I have no idea why they're wearing them. Uh, I'd be asking a lot of questions. If you ask me that today, I'm going to tell you that a consumer is going to walk in and say, thank goodness, here's a restaurateur who is concerned about my safety. So I do think that this Six to eight weeks, we've all been kind of locked away or, or creating some pent-up demand. I think that people recognize that there's an element of safety. And I think all that's beginning to play out. And now I think what we all do is, is we watch and you know keep our fingers crossed that there's no, uh, no increase in, in transmission of the virus and that uh, people are dining safely and that we can work into these phase twos and phase threes as the governments are describing them. In some cases, I've even heard a couple of states have come up with five phases 
So uh, we'll see where this all goes over the course of the next several weeks. You'd said that social distancing and hygiene were your two concerns. How is hygiene changing or evolving? You know, I think for restaurateurs and the employees, it's not changing a lot. They've always been focused on effective hand hygiene, the frequency of washing hands, of course, you know, wearing gloves at the appropriate time. Some of that's going to move out to not just food preparation, but cleaning tables. And and in this particular case, we always used to kid that the idea behind a wearing gloves was not to protect the employee's hands, but to protect the person who was going to be eating the food. But really now it's going to play both roles. We don't eliminate one, rather we add a second. So that's going to be there. And, and recognizing that the opportunity and the frequency of cleaning hands is going to be more important now than ever and making sure that we're publicly signaling that to people who are, are dining. But the other piece of that is going to be making sure that, that the diners themselves recognize the importance of good hand hygiene because we want to avoid the risk of transmission back to the employees or of the other diners. And so the availability of hand sanitizers at the table, sanitizing stations in the restaurant, or even just the ability to make sure that they know where the restrooms are and they can frequently wash their hands. Uh, I was on a call yesterday with a uh, medical doctor who was also a public health specialist, and he talked about that. He said the number one thing, and we're seeing this from CDC as well, the number one thing that people can do to reduce the risk of transmission of this virus is wash their hands. And then don't touch your hands to your mouth, your nose, your eyes. So keep your hands to yourself and keep them clean, and we'll have done so much to reduce the risk of the transmission of this virus. So I think that's the piece of it. And then, of course, the enhanced cleaning and, and uh, sanitation that we talk about. And that means where you might have been used to somebody coming down with a wet rag and wiping down a tabletop before. It's going to be uh, probably a little bit harsher chemical. It's going to be if you don't have uh, throwaway condiments that you're going to be wiping down, salt shakers, pepper shakers, you know, that, that if you're not using one-use menus, you're going to be cleaning menus, chairs, Basically, this hopefully will be somewhat invisible to the customer because these are things you can do between seatings. And so that's going to be different. I think in some cases with perhaps fast casual and finer dining restaurants that you you might not be sitting around waiting for your name to be called inside or having your little buzzer that they give you sometimes, but rather you may be sitting in your car and waiting for a text message from the restaurant to tell you it's okay to come in just to keep that distancing inside. So you don't have to worry about standing there with six, you know, six foot lines that are placed on the floor, but rather let's try and keep it as convenient. We can sit in your car where the, you know, it's comfortably air conditioned and listening to the radio and you get that text that it's time to come in and in you go. So, you know, again, trying to keep the, the comfort level of the customer adequate, um, but also reducing the risk to them and to others in the, in the restaurant. What are operators worried about? When you are working with the operators, what are you finding their biggest concerns are right now? Bar none is making sure the public feels the comfort level they can come back in and eat. There is nothing I hear more than anything else from, from restaurateurs. How can I make sure that people feel good about coming in and dining? And, you know, that's where we have to play that major role in, in helping them, in, in helping share that message and the things that we are doing. You know, I actually feel really good about where we stand with the guidance that we created. Um, I, I kind of thought we were going to be late to the to the game, but I actually found out we were one of the first to come out with an industry guidance on fighting uh, COVID-19 and being able to come back and, and think about what opening would look like. And even just this week, the U.S. Travel Association pushed out their guidance. And in that document for restaurants, while they were very 
specific about other parts of other industries in the travel industry. With ours, it pretty much referenced our document and ServeSafe. So I think we've built a good presence, and I think that speaks well to being able to help the restaurateurs in passing that message on to consumers. I think if what I'm seeing now is, is already true, that people are coming back, I, there's probably no other industry, I, I think, that has had more play since COVID-19 came out from the restaurant industry. I think you know, the media has certainly recognized that you know, the big number of unemployed are coming out of restaurants, that restaurants have been hit hard as businesses, that while other businesses have been able to maintain some element of open, restaurants have not. And so I think there's been a constant play in the media that helps to drive some of that pent-up demand as well. I think the media has also been good about sharing the story of what the restaurateurs are doing. And I think the fact that the restaurants themselves are doing that, you know, when you see the outdoor seating and when you see the separation of the tables, when you see the employees wearing masks, all those things that we would have thought foreign concepts, you know, just three or four months ago are now becoming commonplace and then solidifying that message. Now, again, is when we, we cross the fingers is that we don't see any uptick in, uh, in the virus. And again, we have to measure that carefully, too, that we want to make sure that if there's ongoing testing, you know, the, the one thing I think we hear about is the more people are tested, the more chances the numbers are going to go up. Probably so that we don't there's no correlation between that and open restaurants. So there's, there's still a lot of work that has to be done to, to figure out what the reality is of, of where we stand and where the restaurants are going to be able to go moving forward. Thanks for that, Larry. Now we're going to hear a quick message from our partners at SurfSafe. ServeSafe, the leader in food safety training, brings you three new free COVID-19 precautions training videos, restaurant reopening guidance, takeout, and delivery. Visit ServeSafe.com to start your training. Thanks for joining me at Order Up, the National Restaurant Association podcast. I'm here with Larry Lynch, Senior Vice President of Science and Industry for the National Restaurant Association. We're talking about food safety in the time of coronavirus and COVID-19. Larry, we've got more questions. How is the nature of the state restaurant reopenings affecting restaurants? Yeah, right now we have to look at, at where we're going from a state-by-state state basis because the rules are so different in every state. You know, who allows outdoor seating? Who doesn't allow outdoor seating? You know, are people looking at things like air circulation? Is it a number? Is it a percentage? You know, what does the distancing look like inside? Again, a number of the states have taken fairly liberally from the guidance that we created and worked it into their into their operators' manuals uh, or their operating directives from the governors. But then, with that says, we've just got to see state by state in terms of any of that data. And uh, you know, I, I think to look at a national number doesn't make sense now because I I thought the number I saw was twenty three states right now are, are in some form of opening, which means we don't know where they are in that process. It also means that there are 27 states that aren't. And so if you look at a broader number, just mathematically, it doesn't make sense. You almost have to pull it state by state and look at where they are. And, and again, what we've always said is we're not going to tell the restaurants when to open. We're going to leave that to the states. You know, our goal is just to make sure that we provide them with everything we can to do it as safely as they possibly can. Fantastic. One of the questions I have on here is about how can you get started if you are considering reopening? What's What are the first steps of, of what you need to consider? Well, I think the first thing you have to consider if you're going to reopen is the availability of staff. You know, can you get any of your people back at this point in time? And what does that look like? Secondly, what's been your restaurant's condition? Are you closed completely? Does it mean you need to go in and do a thorough cleaning to get ready to reopen again? 
you know, in some of the documents and some of the guidance, we remind people that, you know, if they close it down, make sure that there's food that's left behind, that's spoiled, that's thrown away, that you're reordered. What's your supply chain look like? Do you want to limit your menu? A lot of things are going to be driven by the consumer. It's going to be the directives coming from the government. So I think you have to take a step back and, you know, can I get staff? Can I open effectively? Does it make financial sense to do it? What are the consumers looking at in the area where I am? Do I have enough fans out there that I think they can come out and visit again? Am I prepared to make sure that I can open effectively and cleanly? You know, can I get from my suppliers the cleaning supplies that I need that I can clean and sanitize thoroughly and open the doors? And then most importantly, if the guidance is about separation as it is, if I separate the seats and I have X number of seats left, is that enough for me to still be profitable? And so I think all those things, I, I think there's there's a marketing piece that ties to this, the messaging component. There's the safety component that ties to this. And then there's the business component that ties to it. And so I think as effective business owners, they have to look collectively at all three to make a decision, you know, should I open now? I don't think it's whether or not I should ever open, but rather should I do it now? Or can I afford to wait until the time is right, knowing the condition I'm in? How does delivery impact the food safety issue? As I know, there's a huge uptick in delivery. That's one of those wild cards, I think, that's out there right now, as I've talked to a number of restaurateurs. For those that have done it, they're, they're considering whether or not they continue. I've heard some tell me that, boy, it, they, they can't seem to make a dime on delivery, no matter how hard they try. And there's, I know there's a lot of extra costs dealing with third-party delivery companies, and, but it's kept their businesses at least somewhat functioning. It's kept their kitchens alive. It's kept some of their kitchen staff working. And so from those perspectives, others have found it wildly successful. And so I, I do think there'll be a measure of, do I keep it going as a standalone do I keep it going as a side business? I think all that's going to be measured as they see how many people come back and sit down and dine, or does it become an adjunct? You know, I think it was only maybe 3%, I think is the number that I saw out of our research group that actually did prior to COVID-19, an active takeout and an active delivery business. Uh, a lot of them changed to take a look at that. So it's another one of those things, the jury is out. I mean, really, we're just now into what, I think maybe week two of these states starting to reopen. And for many of the restaurants, we're just getting into week one. Um, as we're coming here, like I said, here in the Orlando area, we're just now seeing it. I think this weekend will be an interesting benchmark for us across a number of measures. So it's some of the stuff we're going to be watching. And, and you know, we're already now talking with um, our federal friends to see what we can be doing to measure what are these next steps. Because I think the interesting part of this going forward is how much those be permanent, how much of this is temporary, how much of this is going to be addressing the risk of future pandemics, future coronaviruses, other things we just don't know about. But I think it's been an interesting wake-up call that over the course of the next few years, that as an industry, we're going to be addressing this in a number of different approaches. And when you talk about our government friends, who are you talking about? FDA, CDC. Um, just yesterday I was in a call. Uh, USDA is putting together a new task force, and we'll be participating in that. I mean, again, the, the restaurant industry will have voice in all of this, which is critical. So is the Conference of Food Protection, which is meeting in August. I haven't seen if that agenda is adjusted yet to address any of the work we've been doing on COVID-19 because they have a strong influence on uh, FDA's decisions on the food code. Uh, obviously, we are talking to the FDA. They helped us with the, developing the original guidance document. Uh, we're watching all the information coming out from them. CDC had some guidance they were going to be uh, distributing yesterday, but that got pulled. So uh, I've seen it. 
And so nothing that I see that concerns me on the restaurant industry, but the good news is we are part of all of that. And so the industry has a voice and we'll have an opportunity to play a role in that as we see where it's going in the future. That's great. How can we tell if these efforts are successful um, outside of just the testing and knowing about transmission? Just how can we tell if we're, we're doing good work? I think there's two pieces to that. I think we'll tell if we're doing good work if the unemployment numbers go down, that restaurateurs start hiring people back, that people can go back to work, that people are dining and there's no correlation between any resurgence in the virus and something tied to restaurants. That's what we're going to see. I can't predict what the virus is going to do. I mean, as I read about this every day, there's so many unpredictable parts of what this virus does. Originally, obviously, it attacks the lungs, but they're talking about neuromuscular, talking about the brain, they're talking about the cardio system. I mean, it just, it seems to be touching everything. And there's so much that scientists still need to learn and understand. So you almost have to have that in this bucket over here because it's part and parcel of determining what the risk factors are. But I think over here, if we can do this in a way that's safe, if we still, you know, if, if all the evidence still points to distancing, hygiene, cleanliness as the three big drivers to keep us safe, and people are smart about how they do it, and we can begin to get those clusters maybe just a little bit tighter um, and not risk transmission. Like I said, to me, then the marker is the restaurants are reopening, people are going back to work. And I think those are probably the two biggest success factors as an industry that we can see. And as long as we're doing that safely for the consumer and we're doing that safely for the employee, then I think we've been successful. That's great. What else are you hopeful about as we are putting these together and we're looking ahead? I'm hopeful more than anything else that it all works. You know, we, we've all put a lot of time and effort into this. We continue to, to look at it. We spend hours every day. You know, I'm on the phone with, with some of the, the, the nation's top thinking people with this, participating in other webinars, you know, learning everything I can learn, knowing that we're doing everything we possibly can, that at the end of the day, if, if there's anything that I, I'd be happiest with is that we've done it, it's worked, and we're getting back to normal, that, that we've perhaps developed some new protocols going forward so that we don't find ourselves in a situation like this again. Uh, but that's bigger than us. I mean, you know, there's elements of that that involve vaccines and therapeutics and understanding, uh, you know, how to prepare. And so there's a whole medical community side of this that, that's addressed. And, and, but for the sake of our country, I hope that works too. But for the sake of our industry, that at least the basics that we learn, and as we learn more that we can share with the industry and they can do what they need to do, then I'll be happy that we've done a great job. That's fantastic. Thank you. From the individual states to hygiene standards to our friends at the different agencies keeping us safe. I'm so grateful to Larry Lynch and the ServeSafe team for taking the time to speak with me today. Thanks for joining us at Order Up, the National Restaurant Association podcast for the restaurant community. We'll update every week on Fridays. Subscribe today on your favorite podcast platform like Spotify or iTunes, or visit us at restaurant.org slash podcasts. This episode produced by Dante32. Learning how to implement COVID-19 safety measures in restaurants can be challenging. ServeSafe has you covered with three new free COVID-19 precautions training videos. These videos provide guidance that restaurants need to reopen their dining rooms and what steps should be taken for safe delivery and takeout service. Visit ServeSafe.com to start your training. Again, that's ServeSafe.com.